Elizabeth Jarrett is a designer, director, and producer, born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia. Her work spans visual art, theater, music, set design, immersive storytelling, and more. She does a lot. And I'm excited to share some time with Elizabeth to talk about her backstory, how she sees the world, and what she wants for herself. This is Arts and Ideas, and I'm Floyd Hall. Funding for this program is provided by the Fulton County Board of Commissioners. I'm Floyd Hall, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with artist, creator, producer, director, a lot of different things, Elizabeth Jarrett. Elizabeth, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm great and glad to have uh, this moment with you. Um, let's talk about growing up. Where did you grow up and and when did you first begin to have a love of of theater or drama? Um, so I grew up um, sort of between Atlanta and many suburbs. Um, my parents were divorced. I was born in Atlanta, but I was kind of shipped back and forth uh, throughout my childhood. Um, but my dad was a photographer and he had a studio on Bishop Street in um, West Midtown, like sort of behind where Ikea is now. <laughs> um, and I pretty much grew up in that studio. Um, so I would spend most of the time I wasn't um, in school or at home, you know, my entire summers, I would be in that studio sort of near Loring Heights, um, Howell Mill area. And um, that was uh, really influential on me being around um, photography a lot um, and having parents who sort of nurtured my creative side. I actually was drawn to writing first. That was sort of my first medium um, was writing. And so while I was assisting my dad, um, you know, with the analog style of of uh, photography there was we had a dark room and all of that stuff which was really fun um learning how to like use a light meter and all of that um a lot of which I don't remember now but um writing was something that was always really fascinating to me and I love to read so um creating stories that way uh was sort of how I fell into it and then um you know I always I did like dance and I played sports. I was like on the swim team and stuff, but um, I was always really interested in the arts. So, um, you know, I did some like community theater stuff, but I always thought I wanted to be an actor, which now is silly. <laughs> I don't, it's not something I really enjoy. Um, but, you know, that's sort of the your way in, right? Like everybody goes to high school and is in you know, a theater kid and thinks that they want to be an actor. Um, 
so yeah, but writing was my was my way in, and then uh, kind of never left me. As I got older, I just like stopped creating my own content and started performing other people's until I was in college. Um, and I got together with a bunch of my friends, and we started uh, doing devised work, which is essentially creating work um, within a group. So it's like a really collaborative way of of writing, which I really like, um, and I'm still to this day extremely collaborative. So yeah, that's sort of what led me there. Like, what was the thing that said, "All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go this way," versus a, yeah. a different way? Well, I was always I was always kind of torn between like visual art and uh, the writing and performance side, but um, you know, I was always even when I was really young. Like, I don't remember how it started or where it started, but I would always put on plays, you know, in my garage um, with, like, like neighborhood kids or, um, you know, at family gatherings and stuff. My parents would make me sing and, like, perform in front of everybody, which was – I loved it at the time. I was like, oh, sure, I'll be the ham. Um, but – I don't remember what in particular or what particularly made me, you know, say, oh, I really want to perform or I really want to do this. Um, I do remember watching a lot of film when I was younger um, and sort of trying to emulate a lot um, of what I saw. So one of my favorite movies growing up was Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds, which is really weird for a kid to like. <laughs> But um, I was into it and, um, you know, sort of that really dramatic style of acting was something that I liked. And so I just sort of, you know, started to make little characters and, and perform things. And my elementary school actually had a really good, uh, they had some good, like, after school uh, programming. So I was, I always had to go to after school program because my parents worked. Um, and they like, we had like a teacher who was a theater nerd and like ran a really good theater program there. Um, and so I just started auditioning and I remember like my first big role was Mary as Mary Poppins <laughs> in fifth grade. I like played Mary Poppins and it was like, it was a pretty legitimate version of Mary Poppins I mean you know we had the Uncle Albert scene where he's like laughing and he's flying around on stage there were like little kids on harnesses like being <laughs> like swung into the air um so I think that that was my first like moment where I was like kind of hooked and I thought to myself oh I could do this like this is fun um yeah and then I just started doing it and um I actually wanted to go to school for uh, visual art and for theater because um, I continued to do theater sort of from that moment on just extracurricularly um, but I was really enjoying it um, you know and I was never like a super academic kid but I was like in the art the I was like arts honors like I had really good grades in all of my art classes and I was like in the more advanced art classes so I thought like hey okay this is something I really like and I don't really know how to do anything else so I'm just going to stick to this 
the side of things. Um, so yeah, so I decided, uh, I actually uh, was going to go to SCAD um, and got accepted there um, because I really wanted sort of a dual education in visual arts and performance arts because I couldn't really pick. Um, and I've always like sort of been interested in many things. Um, but uh, I decided to hang around closer to home to help my mom with my sisters who were younger than me at that time. So um, I went to Kennesaw instead. Um, and there I kind of had to choose if I wanted to do visual art or performing art. And in my opinion, the performance art side was um, a little, it was more of a broad uh, topic, I guess, because it included literature and it included um, philosophy and psych some psychology. And I was just really interested in like seeing that. So I, they wouldn't let me, I couldn't dual major there for some reason. Um, so yeah, that was sort of when I chose, quote unquote, um, theater, I guess. It was because I was interested in, yeah, I sort of had to make a choice and I was, uh, you know, interested in sort of learning all the other things that come with uh, classical performance, but also modern performance and, um, and, and text and all of that. So I'm wondering with all of that as your sort of backstory, as you're thinking about projects now, you know, you've mm -hmm. done projects, you know, for theater, you know, you've done set design or scene design, you've done work with uh, Adult Swim and some of their uh, stop motion animation. You have a past with uh, Dear Bear Wolf, um, which is now uh, Strange Shapes, um, mm -hmm. with, uh, I guess, you know, immersive storytelling uh, types of uh, experiences. So given all of your your background, whether it be design, whether it be writing, whether it be audio, or anything you kind of get your hands into, when do you know you have a good idea? Like, when do you know that... <laughs> You know, you get the, you know, that, that, that tingly feeling or the light bulbs mm -hmm. go off. Like, when do you know you have a good idea? That's a really good question. Um, there's a weird adrenaline surge that kind of comes. And honestly, you know, working as a freelance artist, I'm, I kind of have to come up with ideas. That's my job is to come up with ideas constantly and they're not always good and sometimes they don't come easily <laughs> you know they don't uh you know they they don't just like pop out of nowhere well i guess they do kind of pop out of nowhere but you know i can't kind of force it um so for me it's like putting myself in situations that inspire me like being in nature inspires me um you know, reading inspires me, but also collaboration inspires me and like surrounding myself with people who, uh, you know, who I can sort of ping ideas off of, like, or have a conversation with. Um, but I feel like once you know it's a good idea, like once I have a good idea, I can't really stop thinking about it until I just 
make it come into fruition. Um, <laughs> and that could take, you know, years. And unfortunately, a lot of these really good ideas that I have are like what I would call like more of my like passion project ideas where I have to like really work hard to raise money to like make them happen. Um, but, you know, they don't, they kind of like don't leave me and I, I just sort of, uh, sort of stick with them. But yeah, there is sort of like an adrenaline and then you start to talk to other people who like, or I do anyway, I talk to other people who I want to collaborate with or like who inspire me. And then that like really gets me going, you know, and then there's like a validation there, right. Of, Oh yeah. Okay. This is a really good idea. I'm not just crazy <laughs> and then sort of that really like that type of conversation and then like talking about ideas about how to make something happen that really excites me um you know and uh yeah and then I just kind of try to make it happen I guess I would love for you to talk about how you how you map out spaces. Like when you enter mm-hmm. into a space, how do you begin to experience and understand your just orientation in that space? How do you think about just your position moving through a space? Like how do you understand your relationship with space in spaces? Sure. So um I think even though I I do a lot of things, I always tell people that I, like, I'm in the business of space because to me it all kind of, no matter what you're doing, it all uh, works the same way, right? So um, whenever I enter a space or when I'm creating a world, um, you know, or even telling a story uh, with space, to me, whenever you walk in somewhere, uh, there's immediately a tone so space carries uh, a tone and an energy that is completely divorced of whatever tone or energy we try to inject it with. Um, so for me, when I walk in somewhere new, I'm sort of taking in uh, what that tone is, what that energy is, what uh, what sort of things have happened in this place in the past that might have left some sort of energetic mark here. Um, what kind of things are people experiencing when they're walking here in, into this space, right? Is it uh, a positive space? Is it a negative space? Is it dark? Is it light? How does, um, like when you walk in, how does it feel? Is it uh, damp or is it dry? Is there a lot of natural light? Is it, again, is it dark? Um, Is it soft? Is it hard? There's like all of these different sensory elements, right? Um, What does it smell like? 
because, you know, sometimes you walk in a space and um, that smell can tell you a lot about it, right? Like if it has age to it or, you know, if it is damp, if there's like, you know, water damage somewhere or uh, I don't know, there's just, it's a full sensory kind of experience, um, you know, and then also like, what are you hearing? Uh, so for me, like whenever I enter a space, I work through all of those things just as the space is, right? So without my own sort of what I'm putting onto it, right? Like how does a person who just walks in as is <clears throat> experience that um, through their senses? And then I can sort of kind of work through, okay, uh, here are the things that this place holds um, based on like all of that criteria. Now, how do I want to alter that or uh, amplify it or exaggerate it to then create something new or help to tell a story? Um, you know, and some places are pretty neutral, right? So it's like I'm working uh, in just a black space, like a, a black box theater, for example, like a room. Um, there's not really a lot to inform uh, those those things, which is fun in one way because then I kind of get to create something from scratch. But I really like working with uh, alternative spaces, um, spaces that already sort of have something to offer, right? And then like using those elements um, and what that space is, is giving me and what the history of the space is giving me and what the people who have been through there are giving me and using that to sort of influence what I then create in it well i feel like a lot of your work that i've had a chance to experience is um is more immersive um mm -hmm. you know in a way in which the the viewer or the listener or i guess the the audience member however you're experiencing the work um it's about putting you into a different space like you're sort of dropped into a different environment so um more so beyond, I guess, how you interact with space, I guess, how do you then think through creating spaces? And I guess this maybe even extend to your work with like set design. Like how, how do you um, think of it as being the creative who is someone on the outside creating something for the folks who are on the inside, if that makes sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Um... So for me, it's always about the story. Um, so sort of narrative is really important. And to me, the space is a character within that story. Um, so, you know, I'm always creating things with that in mind, right? Like with some sort of narrative in mind. And with that, it's creating, okay, in my brain, who is the audience when they enter into a room? And w what is the room, right? How does the space fit into that narrative as well? So um, sort of working through the story there uh, and creating something that is in its own right, a character within that story, um, that's sort of like my way in. and why I like to do things that are more immersive and that's you know that word is kind of a buzzword now and it's 
um, sort of being used in a lot of different ways. But when I say immersive, uh, you know, what I'm talking about is something that's experiential, something, um, uh, a way of storytelling that pulls the audience in and makes them part of that story. So that, you know, there is no fourth wall, as we call it, like in performance, right? There's no, not the performer and uh, the audience, that sort of line is blurred. Um, so, you know, in terms of creating um, a space that fits within that world and within that immersive context, it's 360 degrees, right? So you're kind of having to focus on not just a certain frame, but uh, I can't really control where people's eyes go. Um, so what my job is, is to just fill in the pieces of the story, right? Um, and for my process, again, that creating that character through space, you know, um, giving props, certain backstories, right? It may not be there in the text or the story that we're creating, you know, uh, in the dialogue, but, you know, maybe this, um, this statue is over here and it's an heirloom from this character's great-great-grandmother. Um, and to me, informing the space that way, even if the audience doesn't know that part of the backstory, um, I can then maybe share it with the actor, let's say, and then they're able to sort of inform their performance based on those elements and it kind of anchors the space for them. Um, but when you have something that's immersive, um, the audience is able to sort of interact with things more. So those, all of those little details do hold more weight um, so as you go around. I like things to be touchable and um, there to be like a sense of play with things, right? I did a show in LA last year. I was in an old storage locker. And uh, the experience was with um, a group called Scout Expedition Co. And um, the show was called The Nest. And it was only for two people at a time. So you were just in this storage container for 90 minutes. It was in an old, uh, like, Hollywood storage facility, like, from the 20s. It was really beautiful. But, um, you know, you would just walk, th wander through. And there was a storyline. Um, of course, and you had an objective um, as the audience member, but there was also a sense of play, like a lot of the things that we put in the space um, were to engage conversation or inform that story, um, you know, in other ways that weren't necessarily just within the dialogue of that story. What have you learned from your projects that have taken you away from the South, away from Atlanta, um, to the West Coast? Like where, like, you know, what have you gathered from, from those other environments or those other communities of, of creatives? I think that I've learned uh, that 
I've learned a couple of different things. So first of all, one thing that I love about Atlanta is that um, there is a lot of opportunity here in a way that like resources are um, acceptable or uh, accessible in some ways that they might not be in other cities. Um, and I think that's just because if you like look at a place at New York, like New York, right, the uh, market is so saturated. Whereas here, like, I feel like I could, you know, I could like call somebody just by like looking up a phone number if I like wanted to use a location, for example, like, and it would be pretty easy to, to talk somebody into like letting that happen, right? Or, um, you know, I feel like if somebody wanted to like meet up with me and ask me some questions that they're like just starting out, like, I feel like I'm pretty, you know what I mean? Like people are just easy to reach, um, you know, and then there's the community is like small enough that like um, the foundation is, is pretty strong and in that there are, um, you know, like you kind of know, a lot of people working within that community, right? And you've like worked with people before and like there's rapport and all of that. Um, but I think that that also creates sort of like, I don't know if the right term for it, it's like a vacuum where like we are constantly supporting ourselves, right? Like other artists are supporting other artists and like it feels like sort of cyclical, right? Like, um, and because we just we don't have like the financial support from our government that a lot of other cities and states do, you know, it's it's harder to be a working artist here for sure. It's harder to like just make money on your craft here. Um and like I've seen that like in other places where, you know, uh somebody who is working and doing a similar thing in LA is like making more of a living doing it there than somebody who might be doing it here. And while the standard of living is different and all of that, um, or the cost of living is different, it still like doesn't average out, you know? Um, and just where opportunity is like, you know, <clears throat> um, there's a lot of technology being used in, uh, in those worlds now. Um, especially in when we're talking about like space and create and creating experience, right? So there's like a lot of AR and VR and um, you know a, a lot of projection mapping, like huge events happening based around that technology. And here we just we have like some events here and there, and there are some really great um, AR and VR companies uh, that you know are like have have popped up over the last few years, but we don't really have an established scene there. Um, so that technology is a little bit harder to uh, get a hold of and to utilize um, in our space just because it doesn't have necessarily have the support um, here, if that makes sense. Um, if there was a, a position or if there was a role that you could carve out for yourself that is just for you mm -hmm. what would that look like mm -hmm. what does that look like for you to me that looks like uh okay so there's uh one person um her name's michael Kerr garber um 
because they're both an experienced architect, and I really like that term because it encapsulates a lot of what I feel like I do. Um, so essentially, I want to uh, facilitate and like and sort of direct uh, these experiences for people, whether they're in the physical realm or in the, uh, I guess, tech realm now. Um, essentially, like creating opportunities for people to <laughs> uh, experience something that they wouldn't in their regular everyday life. So a lot of that, would, what that would look like is um, creating teams and collaborating and just create, like making really cool stuff. <laughs> you know, installation-based stuff, story-based stuff. Um, but yeah, I really like, I like assembling. Uh, I like having some sort of directorial part in things, but also assembling teams um, and like working with awesome people. So um, yeah, I would say an experienced architect would be a great uh, title for sort of what I want to do, which is it has to do with space, but also building story um, and uh, creating experiences for people. Favorite word? I think my favorite word is squash. Squash. Like, you can squash a bug. You can squash your enemies. Um, squash is delicious to eat. But it's, like, a really great, like, it's a, it's just a fun word to say. It doesn't mean anything to me, like, except for that it's just, like, I love the way that it, like, you have to move your mouth to say it. It's squash. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's a, it's a great word. I feel like I like words that revolve around food. Like I can't say, uh, okay, this is going to be really embarrassing. I can't say the word, uh, okay. Pistachio, like the nut that you eat. I always like, for some reason, I can't say that word. I like put an S in front of it instead of like a P. So it ends up coming out as pistachio instead of the correct way to say it, which <laughs> is, I'm sure you can say it. Yeah, who doesn't love a good pistachio? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> pistachio. <laughs> I mean, <Yeah. laughs> everyone knows what I mean, but uh, yeah, it's definitely, I'm not really sure what went wrong there, but I can't never, I can't not say pistachio. If I try really hard, I can like come up with a P, but just if if I'm just saying it in conversation, pistachio every time. 
Elizabeth Jarrett, thank you so much for your time and your thoughts. And let everyone know how they can find out more about what you're doing and what you got going on. Cool. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Elizabeth underscore underscore Jarrett uh, or at Strange Shapes. Um, I believe it's at Strange Shapes underscore underscore, but if you search Strange Shapes, you'll find it. Um, but yeah, I've got a couple of cool things coming up. Um, and then if you want to look at uh, my website is elizabethjarrett.me and uh, Strange Shapes website is shapesarestrange.com. All right. All right. Well, Elizabeth, thank you so much for your time and I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you.